So today we're going to talk about thriving and in the context of thriving here specifically at City Harvest Church. So if this is your first time and you're joining us as a guest or maybe you've been coming for a while and you're like, but I'm not really a part of like the family yet, that's okay. There's going to be principles in here that you can take wherever you're at, wherever you go. But there is something about today, it's Community Life Sunday, and there is something very unique here in this family of God here and in this body of Christ here. And so you could actually thrive, maybe another church's definition of thrive at their church, and you might hit a wall here. So this is actually something that we talk about in the family member process. If someone's like, man, this is where I think God has planted me, and they go through the family member process, we talk about what thriving looks like here. So who's gone through the family member process in like the last three years? two to three years. Okay. So some of this might sound familiar to you guys, but here's the thing. If you've been going to this church for 15 or 20 years, you might not know that this is how we tell every single person that's like, yes, this is where God has planted me, that this is what we're saying is going to happen and what they'll experience in order to grow here. And this is something that's really important because Jesus came for us so that we could thrive. He did not come so that we could just survive and barely get through life and barely get through the day. Now, this is not going to be one of those shaming, condemnation-filled messages where we're always supposed to be on a mountaintop and we're always supposed to be prospering and we're always supposed to be making tons of money and our relationships are always supposed to be great if we're good with God. We know that's not true. (laughs) We know that we can thrive, though, in the midst of difficult things. And that God actually made a way so that when things are really hard, we can still be close to him. That when things are really hard, we can still experience growth. In John 10.10, you could preach a whole sermon just on this one verse, but we're not going to. Jesus said, the thief, the enemy the devil, Satan, evil, whatever you want to call it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's his whole purpose. But Jesus is saying, I came so that all of you can have life and have life abundantly. He's saying that right there. I did not come so you can get to heaven. I did not come so that you can, you know, say that you believe in something, maybe change your life a little bit, act a little bit more righteous, look a little bit more moral. He came so that we could overflow with power and grace and love and peace in our lives. Some translations say that he came so that we would have life to the fullest. I love that. There's no scarcity in the kingdom of God. There's fullness in the kingdom of God. And we believe that the fullest that we can experience with God is knowing him intimately every single day, not just here on Sunday mornings, and then walking with him throughout our day in his power, in his peace, in his presence, in his grace, in his love. So that as we encounter the person who cuts us off while we're driving, that our heart rate doesn't have to go up and our blood pressure doesn't have to go up, 
that as we get that phone call that we've been dreading, we can say, okay, but God's with me. When you're sitting in the doctor's office and they give you the diagnosis that you were dreading, you can say, but God is with me. That is experiencing life to the fullness. But here's the thing is evil wants us to stay stuck in survival mode. Evil wants us to stay stuck scraping by and believing that that is all that we will ever be able to walk in. But God invites us into so much more than that. He wants us to experience his fullness. The dictionary definition of thrive is to grow vigorously, to develop strongly, and to flourish. And flourishing means you're developing in a healthy way. Because you know, weeds grow fast, right? They grow tall. We have some weeds around our house that actually get taller than the trees if we don't cut them down. But flourishing is developing in a healthy way. Usually, it's due to a favorable environment. One of the things that also says flourishing is growing luxuriantly. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to grow luxuriantly here. Just, I want to hear you all say luxuriantly. Come on. <laughs> so we... We know that thriving doesn't mean we're not gonna, we're not gonna experience hard things, okay? I want you to think of it though of like maybe a tree that's planted in a forest and its roots go deep and its roots go out and its roots connect and wind around other trees. Trees don't have any say over the environment. They don't get any say over how much sun exposure or lack of it they have. They don't get any say over whether a wind comes or a fire comes. But their only purpose is to absorb the nutrients around them, right, from the roots, from the soil, take in the light, take in the sun. And that's what thriving looks like here. You don't get any say over the experiences that you go through and the hardships that you go through that come at you, but you do have a choice in how deep you go, how, roots, how deep your roots grow. The other thing, though, is that um, thriving looks different for different people in different seasons. My kids always talk about, like, seasons. That's a Christian word. I'm like, no, gardeners and scientists talk about seasons. But, you know, it's like I'm just, like, in a, in a faith season right now. I'm in a winter season. Um, but here's the thing. We're all going to look different in different seasons. So thriving, if you're in a winter season, means staying hidden in the soil, maybe looking like you're not producing anything, you have no leaves. Thriving in spring can seem exciting. It's like birthing new life. Thriving in summer is like when all the flowers are on display, like it's this beautiful, glorious display. Thriving in fall looks like dying or death. So whatever your season of life is though, how can you fully surrender fully surrender to God's will in your life, in the season that he has you in. So um, I, I mentioned our unique environment here, and there are other churches that you can go to, and if you are just a super servant, you could thrive there because they just need warm bodies to fill all the positions. And if you are willing to sacrifice your health and your time and your relationship with your family, you could really thrive there. There's some places they're like, oh, we just need your money. Just give us your money. <laughs> and uh, we, we will be happy with you as long as you keep giving us your money. 
Um, some churches are never going to ask, how's your, how's your marriage going? Well, I don't know what that has to do with me playing an instrument up here on stage. Um, it has everything to do. How's your singleness going? with God? How's your marriage going with God? How's your parenting going? Because all ministry is supposed to be an overflow of that. So here's the thing. We know here at City Harvest that we are called to raise leaders, equip leaders. We are called to be transformed, not just in this building, but in our daily lives. And as we move through our jobs and our schools and our daily lives, transform culture around us. And that doesn't happen if we're not thriving. That doesn't happen by just surviving. Here's the thing is, you know, surviving, sometimes we go through these seasons where we, we know we're just surviving. And like I said, there's no shame or condemnation for that because there are times we are literally, our brains, right, are in survival mode. Something just happened, and we just go to the back part of our brain, and it's fight, flight, freeze. But here's the thing, is God wants to heal that. He wants to show us how to move towards our fear. And when we survive long-term, one that minimizes our impact on our families, on our friends, minimizes our impact on our culture, like on our city, but it's deteriorating to our soul to just survive long-term. God came for more than that. So we say at City Harvest, our vision is people living their identity and purpose in Christ. You cannot do that if you're not pursuing intimacy with God daily. And so that seems really simple, like thriving here at City Harvest just means you daily pursue intimacy with Christ and you discover your identity and you live out your purpose. And that sounds great but it's really hard to walk out because here's what it entails. Today, we're going to talk about three of the things that we talk about in the thriving class. The fourth one is radically love one another. And that is the theme for next week when Pete and I will be sharing. So we're just going to do the three today. Number one, all you have to do to thrive here is surrender everything and trust God with everything. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's the beginning point. So you begin to thrive here as you surrender every area of your life, every nook and cranny of your heart. You surrender it to God and you begin to trust him with everything. What's everything? Your money, your budget, what you spend your money on for entertainment, um, your opinions, the things that you think you are so right about and someone else is so wrong about, those are the things we bring to God and we say, God, what do you think about this opinion? And then how do you feel about the way I'm sharing it with others? Um, the things that we think are our rights. We live in a country where it's very easy to be like, these are our rights. We have a right to this. We have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Jesus is like, yes. And that looks like laying down your life not getting things. We surrender our emotions. Emotions are not bad. Emotions are indicators. Emotions are things we can experience. Emotions are from God, but we surrender them to him and we say, what do you have to say about how I'm feeling? Jesus said in Mark 8, 34 to 36, well, 
he didn't say this part. This is the narrative. Um, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save, hang on to, keep having their life the way it's going, their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? So all, you know, those things I mentioned, relationships, there's all kinds of things that will be tested here. So just because you experience friction, tension, and I don't just mean in your own heart, I mean with the people sitting around you. Um, with leadership, with people that you serve next to on a Sunday morning, don't get freaked out, okay? Because all of those things that we are holding on to, what we think is this construction of our life, it will be tested here. Your motives will be tested. And when I say your, I mean our too. This is not just like, you know, the leadership has great motives and our motives are always right. No, Our motives, our heart things will be tested here. The things that we have this like death grip on, Jesus, you can have everything else, just not this thing, just not this one relationship, just not, no, but Lord, that's my last $5. Like that, that's my Starbucks money, Lord. Um, Whatever that thing is, it could be huge. It could be small. It could be kind of inconsequential, but God's like, open up your hand and let me have it. It'll be tested here. So what do you have a hard time surrendering to God fully? What is it? And it's kind of like, you know, in the Christian world, I remember youth groups and, you know, somebody preaching really intensely and, you know, just God's going to call you. There's a call of God on your life. And he might ask you to go to another country. And everyone instantly was like, Lord, don't send me to this one. Don't send me to, you know, Africa. Don't send me to like Mexico, like whatever the country is. Don't send me to China. Don't send me to whatever the country is. And then it's kind of like the joke, like, well, then clearly that's where God is going to send you. So don't get worried. But what is the thing really? Get worried. I'm I'm joking. What is the thing that you fully cannot surrender to God? He's going to ask you for it. And he's going to ask you again and again, and again, and he's going to use other people here in this room to ask you to surrender it, to remind you again, and again, and again, that it is important to him to have your full life and your full heart. So where, and here's a better question, think of a person in your head. Whom? Whom? With what? Like what, where do you struggle to trust God with that person? You know that person in your mind, that relationship. Who is that person that feels like a test and a trial and a tribulation? And Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. And maybe God is saying, I gave that person to you as a gift in your life to shape you to look more like me. Okay, we got that, right? Surrender everything, trust God with everything. Are we good? We got it? Okay, moving on. Next thing, now all you have to do while you're here to thrive is practice authenticity and vulnerability. And I've taught on vulnerability a lot, and it's just kind of funny because the definition is horrible. I have to come up with my own definition of vulnerability because in the dictionary, vulnerability basically says to put yourself in harm's way. It's a risk to put yourself, like to open yourself up to harm. 
or destruction. Authenticity is one of those buzzwords. It's all around out in culture. But what it means is, do you know who God made you to be? Do you know who God says you are? Now, you can start with the bare minimum in the Bible, and you just go, God says I'm chosen. God says I'm beloved. God says I'm accepted. I'm not rejected. And you can go Google a list of things, and if you need to pump yourself up every single morning, start there. But God made each of us uniquely. We all carry a part of his heart. We carry a part of his image. We carry a part of his design. So who did God make you to be? And while you're here, we hope that this is a favorable environment for you to discover that. And it doesn't mean if you're 10, you got to discover that. But if you're 80, you've already discovered that. No, there's layers of who God says we are. And sometimes he reminds us, do you remember? This is who I say you are. You're an author. Well, I've never written a book. It doesn't matter. I say you're an author. You're an artist. Well, but I don't even play an instrument. I, I don't care. I gave you an artist's eye to imagine things, to see beauty. Or I made you a warrior. I feel really timid. I don't feel like a warrior. And God's like, I have a sound I've put inside of you. I have things that I have for your voice. Who does God say you are? Who? Can I? Okay. Who does God say you are? <laughs> Ask him. Ask him who he says you are. Authenticity means living out of your true identity. That means who God says you are, not who other people say you are. So you thrive as you intentionally allow yourself to be vulnerable with God. It's vulnerable sometimes to ask him, who do you say I am? And then to be vulnerable with others, to open yourself up to others, to admit your needs to others. That could be as simple as I need help. I need help with this thing. I need help moving. I need someone to watch my kids. But for some people, that's really hard to ask for help. It could be my marriage is falling apart, and I don't know what to do. There's all different kinds of admitting our needs, but it is opening ourselves up to people and saying, I don't have it all together, and I need you to know that I need you to, I need to tell you this thing, and I need you to like be a safe person and be able to handle it. And we all want to be that person for someone else. So Jesus said, Mark 10, 15, I tell you the truth, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And there's lots of things on children and, you know, children, it's like the dad throwing the kid up in the air and they're just exhilarated and they're not worried about falling. Um, I think that's a great picture because most kids haven't been dropped at that point, so they don't actually have, like, a knowledge that they could be dropped. So there's a little bit of, like, all the analogies break down at some point. People talk about, like, kids are so unhindered. They're just bold. I'm like, some kids are naturally more introverted and, and timid, you know? Um, or kids just, ha they delight in everything. And I'm like, some kids are really suspicious. And, yeah, you know, they just are a little bit more suspicious. Or they know their need. I'm like, have you ever had a two-year-old or a three-year-old? They, they don't know their needs, and they don't think that they need you. That's for sure. But here's the thing. Children, whether they realize it or not, are vulnerable. Children need to be protected. They need to be taken care of. They need to be guided. 
You know, sometimes people will come to us and, and this is this, you know, years and years ago, but they would be like, this is what I'm supposed to be here. I got this prophetic word, you know, they come in and we're like, Oh, could we get to know you a little bit better? Maybe <laughs> and it's like, here's what I'm supposed to do in this church. And we're like, cool. How about you start like greeting, get, get to know some people here and let them get to know you. And you ask them their story and they'll share, they'll share theirs with you and you share yours with with them. And, um, let's get to know each other first, because here's the thing. We are supposed to know our need. And sometimes that need is for guidance. Pete and I need guidance. I don't know. Maybe some of you feel like you have it figured out. Um, but we all need guidance. And to do that, we have to humble ourselves. And a lot of times that can look like forgiving, we're just going to keep talking about forgiving over and over and over again. So if you're like, is there something going on? Yeah, guys, there's always something going on in a church with people. Okay. Yes, there's always something going on. But that is something where our theme for this year is his kingdom come and his will be done. That doesn't happen with a bunch of people that don't want to forgive each other. We can't ask God, send revival, Lord, great. You can pray for three hours in your room, you know, speaking in tongues and just like be in the throne room with God. But then can you walk out and treat someone else like they're made in the image of Christ that really annoys you, that has really hurt you, that <clears throat> has caused you great pain? So authenticity and vulnerability means that you will have to forgive in order to forgive and not just people outside this room, people in here and to forgive, you have to be authentic and realize that hurt that hurt me. That caused me pain. Then you have to go be authentic with God and say, God, what is in me? What's the wound? What, why did that hurt? And acknowledge that. And then he might even ask you to not say anything to the person and just forgive them. He also might ask you to step out in a little bit more vulnerability and say, I want you to have a conversation with that person about it. That's risky. Authenticity and vulnerability is a risk. Okay. Um, practice ownership. Oh, sorry. I forgot to read the other verse there. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We are supposed to accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's where the problem comes is when we realize we're accepted and we don't accept others or we don't know we're accepted. So we are operating out of a rejection with other people. Okay. Practicing ownership. You thrive as you take ownership in your relationship with God, your relationship with others. You thrive as you take ownership in your own story. You own your story, you own your failings, and you own your giftings and callings. Here's the thing. Relationship with God, taking ownership with that looks a lot like daily disciplines. You can call them spiritual rhythms. Call them whatever you want that doesn't trigger you. Because sometimes when I think of, you know, spiritual disciplines, I have to have this certain quiet time at 6 a.m. every morning and do these things. But it's like, what are your daily rhythms? What are the things that keep you close to God, connected to his heart for you, and connected to his heart for others every single day? We don't have any control over you. We don't want control of you. We don't want control of you, but we don't have it. You have control, though, over what you choose to do with your relationship with God. Owning your story. 
that's knowing, because, um, you know, I, I grew up where um, parents that got saved in, like, the Jesus People movement and a lot of coming out of really bad things and, and then just radically getting saved and just on fire for Jesus. And so a lot of it was we don't want to think about the things we were doing. We don't want to think about the childhoods, the childhoods that we had and we grew up in. And, you know, that's in the past. God's doing a new thing. Forget the past. Well, the past comes back to haunt you if you don't actually be honest about the things that you've experienced. It's kind of like forgiveness. People will talk about forgiveness in the church. It's like, just forgive, just forgive. Yes, but to actually forgive, you have to acknowledge the pain. You have to acknowledge what happened. And so God is like, hey, I want to talk about that thing that happened 10 years ago. Oh, but God, it's in the past. I've forgiven that person. We're good. And he might want to go back and actually heal that part of your story so that you don't relate to everyone else out of a wound. Someone's pushing on your wound. They're triggering your wound. And he's like, let me heal the wound doesn't solve everything, but let me heal that wound. So one of the things you can do, you know, while you're here is ask people, ask them how they experience you. Who's ever done that? Anybody? Ask someone how they experience you. Start with people that you know, love you so much and are going to be really easy with you and like, so how do you experience me? Like, you know, when we had that conflict or, um, you know, maybe you don't start with your spouse. Maybe you start with your kids, start with something easier, a long time best friend that just, you know, but ask people, how do you experience me now? Not to, you don't just go ask everybody, ask people you trust. Okay. Ask people that you feel like will be honest, but loving with you. Because here's the thing is we all have a perception of ourselves of how we come across and I think I'm a really aware person, and then I get feedback on how people experience me. You know, Pete experiences me much different than I view myself in conflict. I think I'm fairly level-headed and right, and he thinks I have room for growth. Um, my children, this is a common thing because I wanted to, to, to do this with my kids where one, I would ask it every so often just out of habit, but then, so they know they can tell me, I think I'm being really peaceful. And they're like, you have that look in your eye as you're saying it. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And they're like that. Look, it's like your eyes twitching. We know you're mad at us. Ask people how they experience you. That is practicing authenticity and vulnerability. But here's the thing. It's taking ownership for how we treat others. And we'll get into that more next week. If you think that's fun, just wait till next week, guys. James 1, I love the book of James. It's so practical. Um, it's just so practical. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if you spend hours in the Bible and hours praying and hours worshiping, that is awesome. Can you do what the Bible says, what God has told you to do? Can you live out of who he says you are? Can you actually do it? And are you willing to do it with his help? Because that's the only way we can do it. I love the second Timothy one, six through seven, Paul's talking and he says, I remind you, he's talking to Timothy. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So they have this like experience, this moment. And he says, for the spirit that God gave us, here's why you need to fan into flame the gift of God inside of you. Because God gave us a spirit that does not make us timid about our giftings, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. To use the gifts that God has given us, we need power, we need love, and we need self-discipline. One of the things about practicing ownership here, I'm not going to really get into all the things about um, uh, failings and, and giftings and callings, but will you let yourself grow deep roots? Will you let yourself grow deep roots here? You might know I'm only going to be here for a year and then I'm getting transferred at my job, but will you allow yourself to grow deep roots for that year you're here? If you know you're going to probably be here longer, let your roots grow deep quicker and more fully because we say this all the time. Look around. Look around at the people sitting around you. You might not know them at all or maybe they're in your family or they're your friends, but this is the community If you say City Harvest is my home, I'm taking that family membership class. I am here. God placed me here. That's why we ask you to to pray and ask God if you're supposed to be here. Because we don't just want to try and attract as many people as we can. We don't want warm bodies to fill the seats. So if you believe God has put you here, are you willing to let your roots grow deep here? Use your imagination. If you're creative, you can use your imagination. I'm going to give you a a scenario. And if you're not creative or imaginative, I'm going to give you a negative question. And maybe that will just bring things to the surface. But two sides of the same coin here. You close your eyes if you need to. Um, Use your imagination. So I just want you to think about your life. Think about what your day-to-day looks like. Think about your job. Think about the relationships in your home outside your home, your school, extracurricular activities and hobbies you have. What does thriving look like for you? What would it look like for you to thrive? What would it look like for you to thrive in your walk with God and and your relationship with him? What would it look like to be thriving in other relationships? What would it look like to thrive here in ministry? Okay, so if you're creative, do that. Now, if you're not, we can just go really, just like cut to the chase. What's not working in your life right now? What's broken in your life? And then what are you willing to do to be more whole and more free? We have a, a, a book that we go through and we'll, you know, do it in small groups. The Genesis process, and it's all about getting set free from things in our lives. Um, and one of the things is that you get to a point where the pain of staying the way it is, is greater than the pain it would take to move towards healing and to move towards change. Some of us have a very high pain tolerance, so we survive when things are broken for a very long time. And that's like kudos to you, but here's the thing. God wants to heal us from the inside out. He doesn't want us surviving. He wants us to experience him fully, to know him fully, to live that out so that we are transformed, so that our homes are transformed, so that our relationships are transformed, and so that our 
outside the walls, communities are, are transformed. So are you willing to surrender it all? Trust God with everything. Super easy. Are you willing to practice authenticity and vulnerability more than you already are? You might say, oh, I'm pretty good at that. Great. There's new levels to go to. Are you willing to practice ownership with your calling, the things God's gifted you in, your failings, your story, your relationship with others and with God? And here's the thing. It might sound like bad news, but it's really good news. Just when you think you are thriving here and you're like, when I imagined what I would look like, what my life would look like when I was thriving, I'm living it right now. I'm living the dream. That's so cool. Because guess what? There's going to be a new season that God will call you into and thriving will look different in that next season than it does right now. Like with parenting, just when you feel like you got your kids figured out, I know what they like, I know what they need, I know how to talk to them, they change, they grow, you have to figure it out all over again. And so God is like, every time things start to feel a little off, it's an opportunity and it's an invitation to really to know, okay, God, what do I need to do to thrive in the season I'm in? And he will give you what you need. And we trust that. We believe that. All right. Woo, very uplifting. (laughs) 